to be vitally clear uh, to Christians who are saying that the church and Christians should not uh, put the church into politics, uh, we will either put the church into politics or it will put itself into us. So yes, the church must be in politics, but politics must never be in the church. The Todd Herman Show is 100% disapproved by big pharma, technocrats, and tyrants everywhere. Now, from the high mountains of free America, here's the Emerald City Exile, Todd Herman. Today is the day the Lord has made, and these are the times through which God has decided we shall live. Started the day off right with bone frog coffee. I think that's a thing I'm not allowed to say it that way. I think that's a coffee trademark. Well, I started it off super, super right with bone frog coffee. There, now it's not a trademark issue. See what it done? This is a soundbite from uh, someone who calls themselves um, a teacher and uses pronouns. And this is one of the reasons why Christians uh, have got to understand something. And incidentally, not just Christians, um, because they're going to come for the Jewish faith. They're going to come for the Muslim faith. Right now, they're using you. If you're a Jewish person and you think the liberals care about you, I have news for you. They hate you. They hate you as much as they, well, not, not quite as much as they hate Christians. Um, but uh, Muslims, they're scared of you. They, they think you're all terrorists or you're all angels, one of the two. Uh, for us, Christian faith is, it's just, they can't have it. Um, it is inconvenient to everything they have to do. And it's still the predominant faith in the country, the United States, though most people don't know what it is to be Christian. And that's, it's been stolen from them. It's not anyone's fault. It's been stolen. There's so much stolen knowledge. And it, it is a crazy thing to think of. But yes, knowledge can be stolen. So here's a woman stealing knowledge who herself has been just absolutely lied to by the, the chief liar, in my mind, by the chief liar and the chief murderer, talking about her desire to teach kindergartens to masturbate. You know the drill. Uh, homophobic and transphobic ideas from parents can absolutely be a problem. <laughs> Inescapable judgment. Yeah, bigoted, misinformed parents who have no idea how to talk about gay sex. They're biased. If they are religious, it can be very difficult to get into the conversation with them. Yeah, sometimes you can get stonewalled out of information. Yeah, she's not biased. Just bigoted, backward Christians are biased, but not her. Uh, well, if you want to talk about gay sex, that is homosexual activity. Okay. Um, this is something that some adults and some people of younger age choose to engage in. And I have family who, who does this and I love them and I will love them forever. And I'm perfectly capable of loving them and seeing this as a sin issue. Like I see adultery as a sin issue. Like I see sleeping around as a sin issue. Like I see, frankly, look, this and this can seem so disrespectful to our wives to admit this as men. And so we talk about it in men's groups. But if you're male, you see attractive women. You do. And that's natural. And God set that out for us. But if your mind starts to wander, you can wander up into a sin issue. But, oh, okay, talk about gay sex. Okay, well, monkeypox. Now, that's not because people are gay or I should say same-sex attracted. That's not because of that. It's because of some of the activities involved in homosexual sexual activity between men that, that's, that can be injurious to the body and make it more likely to spread disease. The, the the God of the Bible has said, this is not how I design things. This is not my intent, just as the God of the Bible said. And look, I had this weekend to talk with a dear friend, a, a guy who um, was so fundamental to saving my kid, my daughter, 
from a terrible fate and our family from a terrible fate. I owe him and I owe him forever. And he also has the advantage of being a super great guy. Um, and a, uh, a, and a law enforcement officer and super great guy made a dreadful mistake in his marriage. Dreadful. And of course I love him. And of course I've talked to him and with him about it as a sin issue. And his wife has a role to play in this. Biblically speaking, she has a role to play. She was not being biblically a wife. I'm not talking about obeying the husband's every single command. That's so misunderstood. That's, that's not what the Lord asked us to do. Um, but I can look my friend in the eye and tell him, man, I love you. I'll do anything to help you out of this. And, and God loves you and wants to forgive. And, and I'm not going to sit there and soft pedal to my brother that, hey, the decision you made in your marriage to, to be unfaithful, that's okay. It's just who you are. It's just, you're just being you. Right? That's, and it's a broken pledge. And in my eyes, his wife broke a pledge to him my eyes. And if I were to talk with her, I could also say, God wants to forgive you. But this statement here from this woman who intends, I don't know that she intends because she is taken captive to tear this, these families apart is why the church must get involved in politics. And here's what this means to me is that the people of God getting involved in politics, speaking God's word. And I can see God saying, hey, if you're not actually going to use my word in politics, I'll let the other words rule. So we have, we have nonsense words that rule now. And the nonsense words, the made up words, transgender, as you know, is an absolutely made up word. There's nobody who's ever been wrong and born in the wrong body. It cannot happen. You are your body and your body is you. Your brain is your body. Your body is your brain. There's no dividing point. There's never been any, any uh, uh, objective, uh, falsifiable, I should say, objective, observable, uh, repeatable, falsifiable finding of a, oh, this brain doesn't belong in this body. It's never happened. It never will. There's no dividing line. So I can see the Lord saying, oh, okay, you don't like my word? Fine, we'll let some nonsense words rule. And this is why we need to be in politics as Christians speaking God's word. You notice this never happens in the Capitol. It's been beaten out of them. They've been told it's far too unpopular. And, and where this actually ends up, and this came up at our event in Bothell, Washington this past week. Where this comes up and where it ends is the state of Washington. You're not allowed to say the name of Christ Jesus on the floor of the house. They'll, they'll, they'll cut off your Zoom access. They'll cut off your mic from the floor if you speak the name of Jesus Christ. That's where this ends up. And people obey this. If there were God-fearing people in the Republican caucus, and I know there are, we had two of them at our event. They would speak Jesus Christ's name every other, day, every other word. Every day, they would say, I, I want to thank my Lord and Savior Jesus Christ for the, uh, the privilege of being allowed to serve in this capacity. And make them turn off your mic. Make them show themselves for who they are. We need to do this because if we don't, the institutional memory of the word of God will be absolutely stolen. And this happens. I know this seems bizarre, but institutional memory can be stolen. This is the whole point of year zero. The entire point of year zero is to erase prior history so people don't have access to it. And it seems so bizarre. Well, that couldn't happen, Todd, because we've got the internet and, and the Wayback Machine and, and that could never happen. Really? Robert Malone's Wikipedia page was edited when he came out and said that the mRNA injections um, are garbage. And all of a sudden, he was no longer the chief inventor of mRNA as a carriage system. That was gone, disappeared. Uh, there, there was an entire section of the American Association of Pediatrics, which is a dreadfully evil group. There, it, it is an institution completely, utterly, irreparably damaged and captured. It is, it is an enemy. They had a whole section of their website, as I recall. Um, or was it the Psychiatric Association, which is equally bad. Medical associations, entire sections of their website devoted to the development of, of children 
needing to have interaction with human faces. A whole a slews of research on this. Kids need to see human faces in order to develop empathy and mirrored synapses. They erased that because they got wedded to the woke mask movement. They got wedded to the mask as divisive tactic as let's say, let's see how, what percentage of people are ready to put something on their face because they were told to, which any form of skepticism, even gentle skepticism will show isn't stopping any form of transmission of viruses. They erased that. I could see God saying, hey, if you don't want to use my word to explain the way things work in the world, that's fine. I'll let everyone else's words rule. And you can live under their words and see how you enjoy this. There's this fascinating um, portion of the Bible. And it's the story of a young king. This was um, the death of, of, of King Solomon, regarded in Christianity as the wisest of the kings. Um, the, this, the, the kingdom of, of Israel was very rich. They went through this terrible period where they had a, a horrible king, like Man, his name was Manessa. Um, he was full on back into human sacrifice. And I believe he sacrificed his kids to Moloch, to basically a demon. And he eventually got you know, tossed. God tossed him. And Josiah came and tore down these altars and pounded these stone idols apart. And he was, I think, eight um, when when he took when he took over. And um, this is from memory, largely. And they were cleaning out the temple. Oh, yeah, um, yeah, Josiah King. He was eight. Yes, he was cleaning. They were cleaning out the temple. And some of the holy men found the, the, the law, the book of Moses, the law of Moses, the Mosaic law, and, and brought it to the king. And he said, what is this? They said, this is what our people were told by the Lord. And he tore his clothes, biblical statement showing he was upset. And we were going to reinstall this. And so they read it in front of the people. Moses had said this is to be read in front of the people um, on a regular basis. Well, Josiah had been doing what was right in God's eyes anyway, tearing down these, uh, you know, these, these vile um, uh, demons to whom the previous king had been sacrificing his own kids. So he knew that was wrong. Well, these, these demons or these so-called gods have to be disgusting because it's child sacrifice. So we're going to tear them down. And then he finds the word of God and begins to promote the word of God. It was forgotten a people who were taken out of Egypt and saw the, saw the God of the universe split the Red Sea for them. <laughs> Give them the ability to walk through a sea with sea on the, like the, piled up on either side of them. They walk through this dry channel the Lord gives them until the Egyptian chariots are there and the Egyptian chariots and army are fully inside that little cavern, that dry cavern through you know, the Red Sea that the Lord created and then the Lord shut the cavern or shut it down and drowned them. They watched that. Their people watched that happen. They watched God provide them manna from heaven. They watched him. You would go gather it from the, with the morning dew. They watched him produce water. They watched him dam up a river for them. They, they, they watched all of this. And so they wrote it all down and, and, and not that long later, they forgot. This is being stolen. The word of God is being stolen from people. The meaning is being stolen from people. Even people who call themselves Christian are, are not really aware of what it is to be a Christian. And guess, guys, they're going to come for the Jewish faith. The Jewish faith right now, for whatever reason, and this has been sort of explained to me before that Jewish people have come to think of Nazis as right wing, you know, socialists are well-known right wingers that they've come to think of them because it's a hat trick that the party has pulled. So anything but Republican, nope, Republicans are going to, they're going to put the death camps back in place. But they're going to come for you eventually, too, because anything that does not take the need of the party is not useful to them. Islam's not going to take the need of the party. Right now, the Islamic leaders full understand that the West is eating its own tail. They know that we're a snake eating our own tail. They're going to sit back, watch, and sell us oil. 
and, and, and because they're playing the long game. And so Christians better be in politics. And we better speak the, the word of God into politics. There's, God is using people like Bill Maher. So Bill Maher is probably simply an iconoclast. He probably just wants to fight the power structure. And he can be, he can be a super funny man. Obviously, that's why he's so successful at what he does. He has noticed the, um, the insane transgender scam, meaningless word being used to confuse people. He's noticed that, you know, oh, it's global. And what the, what the scammers and gender jackers are saying is, oh, this is organic. No, there's a change in biology where there's a, there's a biological change and people are understanding they're born in the wrong body. That's why there's this universal effort or universal awakening of people of, oh my goodness, look at this. My brain doesn't belong in this body. And he points this out. He says, really? Why is it happening geographically? Why does it happen more in, in the far left states than far red states? Why does it happen more among people who are unchurched than people who are churched? Why isn't it happening in Islamic countries? Why isn't it happening in China and Russia? Why is that? Because they have different biology? No, because they have a different culture. And I'm not here to say that the Chinese culture is a great culture under the Chinese Communist Party or Russia under their authoritarianism, but our culture is sick. And I'm not here to say it's, it's, it's certainly not worse than Chinese, the Chinese Communist Party's installed culture, but we're getting there. They're removing God, although they can't seem to rid themselves of the Christian church. Isn't that fascinating? They can't seem to get rid of the Christian church. It continues to thrive. It's so fascinating. So in addition to Mar pointing out the geographic differences, he had sort of this long statement. And what I love in this is the, the, the grifting election thief, Donna Brazil, who shared questions in advance with Hillary Clinton in an attempt to rig an election. Donna Brazil is in the room while Bill Maher is saying these things and the look on her face says, you're forcing me to sit here while you say these things. Donna Brazil knows this is all, this is all, all posturing. She knows it is. But the one thing Bill Maher can't do, of course, is use the name of God properly. And finally, new rule, if something about the human race is changing at a previously unprecedented rate, we have to at least discuss it. Broken down over time, the LGBT population of America seems to be roughly doubling every generation. According to a recent Gallup poll, less than 1% of Americans born before 1946, that's Joe Biden's generation, identify that way. 2.6% of boomers do, 4.2% of Gen X, 10.5% of millennials, and 20.8% of Gen Z. Which means if we follow this trajectory, we will all be gay in 2054. <laughs> of course, the audience loves that because it, they, they haven't thought about the, what that would do to their families. And, amazing. And then who's going to buy this chair? I'm just saying that when things change this much, this fast, people are allowed to ask, what's up with that? All the babies are in the wrong bodies? Was there a mix-up at the plant, like with Captain Crunch's Oops Old Berries? It wasn't that long ago when adults asked a kid, what do you want to be when you grow up? They meant what profession? Brazil hates that. She looks so uncomfortable. In the wake of America about to lose abortion rights, the ACLU recently tweeted a list of those who would be disproportionately harmed by this. You would think women might top that list. No, wasn't even on the list. Second on the list was LGBT. Really? Abortion rights affects gay and trans people more than, you know, breeders? Using their language, smart. I'm happy for LGBT folks that we now live in an age where they can live their authentic lives openly. And we should always be mindful of respecting and protecting. But someone needs to say it. Not everything's about you. Yeah.
And it's okay to ask questions about something that's very new and involves children. The answer can't always be that anyone from a marginalized community is automatically right. Trump card, mic drop, end of discussion. That's well said. And God can use people like Mar to begin to open some eyes of even his victim audience to get them to think about this. It's a nine and a half minute monologue and it's really good. And he's helped out by the teleprompter, but he's really, really good at what he does. Very, very good. We, on the street level, you and I, I'm asking an honest question. When was the last time you said in a conversation, because God prohibits it? Because God calls it sin. I had a talk with a young friend who is, gosh, 20 years my junior and lives in a community. Well, not a community, but um, lives with an age group where you are to celebrate all things countercultural or we're the counterculture. Christianity is the counterculture where you're to celebrate all things sexual. I'll just say it. Anything someone wants to do, you're to celebrate. And he had the most fascinating way of approaching this. He happens to be a Christian man. We need to demand that politicians who are Christian use the name of God in debates on House floors, on the Senate floor, and they need to do it naturally and with love, not as an act. In my mind, God has every reason to say, hey, you know what? I'm not listening. You guys won't even use my word. I'm not listening. Is God going to rescue America? Are we going to speak his word? The, um, the Bulwark Capital Management team, not only did they purchase tickets so that people got to go well, without charge to our, our program that we did in Bothell. And thank you for all the emails about that. I'm glad that most people enjoyed it. One guy hated it. Guy has been with the show a long time. David hated it. He brought four friends and he says, I missed the mark. I'll address that later. Uh, I'll write him a note and, and address it later. Um, that happens. And I, it frustrates me when it happens. Um, and Zach Abraham was there. He spoke. But not only this, Zach stayed after. He, he left after me. <laughs> I was blessed with an hour and a half shaking hands with listeners. Um, Zach stayed after. I was walking out. <laughs> he was still there. Now, security wanted me out of there <laughs> because they wanted to go home. But Zach brought his wife. I saw his wife there visiting with people. And it means something to me that he cares so much for this audience that, yeah, you better believe there's an opportunity for him to become people's financial manager. Absolutely, there's an opportunity. Zach is a businessman. He makes no bones about that. But he didn't have to sit there and shake hands and talk with people. And the conversation, as I understand it, got pretty deep about some financial issues and one-to-one -one talks. And, you know, Zach can't give specific financial advice to people unless they, you know, are become a client or sign up to be a client. They can't do that. But this is part and parcel of this firm. He spoke very, very, very clearly about the role of stewardship. You know what? That begins with you. I have had the most horrible realization that despite the financial blessings the Lord has bestowed upon me, I have not been a great steward. We're, we're better off than many. And investments in land, I'm very, I'm very, very thankful for the land we own. And I've not been a good steward. I need Zach's help. And so I'm getting his help. Now, if you're near retirement, you really need to focus on risk management because the closer you get, right, the, 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 the fuller you need to keep that bucket, the less bumpy the ride can be. And that 60-40 stock bond mix, Zach will tell you the reasons that's not getting it done anymore in this inflationary environment when the mobbed up banksters are getting 0% interest rates and we're handing 88 billion bucks and an open checkbook to Ukraine. Please get with Zach Abraham at Bulwark Capital Management and talk about your retirement. Can you retire now? When can you? How safe is your portfolio? It's 866-779-RISK. 
That's 866-779-RISK or go to knowyourriskradio.com. Investment advice cannot be given without a client services agreement. Bulwark Capital Management is an investment advisor representative, Trek Financial LLC, an SEC registered investment advisor. So if we as, as Christians will not step into the, the political discussion, and this is what I mean, in discussions about abortion, it is simply okay to say, God has said, thou shalt not murder. And sure, that opens up the question about the death penalty. And, and from a political perspective, we can be pro-death penalty. And if, if your reading of God's word is, thou shalt not murder, if in your prayer and your investigation of that and you listening to the Holy Spirit in you and the Holy Spirit says to you, hey, not the death penalty either, then you have to change your opinion. Because we have to be people led by God. If we're going to take God into politics, the church and God's word into politics, we ourselves have to be led by God's word. Now, you can go through the Bible and, man, you can find case after case where not only does the death penalty apply, it's not optional. Where God says, this person shall surely be killed. They shall surely be stoned with stones until they are dead. And I am not enough of a theologian to say, did Christ Jesus come along and cancel that all? I'm not. My reading of how the Lord interacted with people, the Lord Jesus is he wants to redeem people. Well, I know that because that's what he's asked us to do to save souls. That's what he's told us to do. That's what we are to do as changed Christians, as disciples, to make disciples. And that opens up that discussion and we should have that discussion. Because there are some people who are so unsafe that they're going to go out and take lives again. And if they ever get out, they're going to go not just take lives, they're going to enjoy doing it. And we've seen it time and time and time again. We've seen that. So we have to be able to have these discussions. Or you'll have Anderson Cooper having the discussions for you. And this goes back to this thieving. You know, I mentioned my friend, the younger friend I have. We'll get to the Anderson Cooper thing in a second. This younger friend I have. And he lives in an age group where you have to sponsor your friend's sexual activity unless, unless it's, unless it's um, cheating on their husband or wife. Yet, still, that's, still, they don't sponsor that. But if your friend comes along and says, my husband, my, my wife and I have decided to have an open relationship and we're going to sleep with whoever we want. We're going to have sex with a bunch of people, but we're going to stay married. You have to say, oh, wow, that's great. That's good for you. I mean, you're, you're living your, your, your true self. You don't get to talk about, well, doesn't that open things up for disease? And isn't that going to create a bunch of emotional confusion? And by the way, do you think your kids aren't going to notice this? And do you think that that's going to cause them some doubt? Or is this really my mom and dad? And is there any solidity in the world? And oh, incidentally, um, doesn't that go against the word of God? I'm Because it says to me in the Bible, one man, one woman is marriage. No, here's how my friend handled it. I love this. One of his friends asked him, his, his friend, the same sex attracted. And he said, hey, I want to just ask you straight out. Do you think my relationship um, is sin with another man? And my friend said the following. Um, he said it reluctantly. He said, yes. Not because I think so. Not because I'm judging, but because I believe the Bible is full, completely true, completely true and completely full incomplete and true. And it says in the Bible that it's a, it's a sin. So yeah, I don't want to think that. That's not how I want it to be. And that's what it says in the Bible. And I believe the Bible is fully true. And I also think that adultery is sin and people practice that. And, and I have friends who do that and I have friends who, who lie. And so, yeah, I think it's sin. We need to be able to speak these things. That argument on a national basis has been lost because it's been surrendered because people are afraid. Now you have, I will, you have Anderson Cooper, theologian, who is talking to a Catholic bishop about something that the archbishop in San Francisco did where the archbishop said about the Pelosi demon that, that she doesn't get to take communion anymore. Joining us now, Father James Martin. He's a Jesuit priest and editor-at-large at America Magazine, the Jesuit Review of Faith and Culture. Father Martin, it's great to see you. When you heard about the decision from the archbishop in San Francisco, what went through your mind? 
Well, I was a little disappointed. I mean, uh, at the outset, I'll say I am pro-life. I'm a fan of Archbishop Cordelione, but I think it's uh, the wrong move pastorally because it really just isolates one particular uh, belief in the Catholic Church and one particular belief about life uh, to the exclusion, really, of uh, most of the other ones. It was done, in, obviously, in a very public way. Does that make a, make a difference? I think that these things are probably best dealt with uh, privately. I think he said something about that. I'm, I'm not sure about his complete statement, but I think doing it publicly also uh, makes the church seem partisan. Um, it makes us feel like we're taking sides. But once again, it's it's very selective. I mean, for example, we don't have politicians being denied over their support, for example, of the death penalty, which is another life issue. Um, and so that's why I think it's problematic. So that's from Newsbusters. Um, well, you can hear the noise at the end that I forgot to cut off. Thank you, Newsbusters. Yeah, there's a debate. So let's have the debate. Fine, let's have the debate. But here's what's not debatable. There's a canon of the Catholic Church. The Catholic Church publishes its rules. It's their canon. It prohibits abortion. And not only does it prescribe that people who continue to practice this and don't repent are not to take communion. It also says they have excommunicated themselves. So in defense of the Archbishop of San Francisco, he could have gone a lot further. And he could have said, well, she's not Catholic. She's excommunicated herself. She's not even in the body of the church. But Anderson Cooper framed that as conservative versus liberal, and then said even the Pope, to whom he did not apply a political title. And this is the game they play, as if this is just a bunch of people with a bunch of opinions. That's true. But then you have consistent meetings of the entire Catholic Church leadership where they get together and discuss things and argue and debate and come out with answers and then they publish them to the larger church body and that continues to be a canon of the catholic church continues to be that marriage is between a one man and one woman it continues to be that abortion and i believe they describe abortion as a grave sin these things, these things exist. Anderson Cooper could turn to the canons of the Catholic Church and have a discussion about what the canons say, but he doesn't want to do that. He wants to create the division of, well, it's really just who's who's in charge. It's, see, it goes, it goes right back to everybody's in charge but God. This is a fascinating circumstance with the party that everybody's in charge but God. It's the Pope. He's in charge. And if you're a Catholic, you understand the papal ascendancy and that the, the, the Pope sits now in the seat of Peter and wears the ring of Peter. And we understand the papal ascendancy and that, that there's supposed to be papal inerrancy, which is one of the reasons I can't be Catholic with all the respect to Catholic listeners is I don't believe in papal uh, inerrancy. So you have that, but he's still not the boss. A pope must recognize who the boss is, and that's God and the Godhead. But in the world of the party, notice that who's ever in charge is the people who have power. They're little baby Khmer Rouges. As we talked about in the last hour, I hope you heard hour one today and the fact that the National Association of School Boards, when they when they wrote their first memo calling us all domestic terrorists, if we go to school board meetings and don't want our kids taught to masturbate at the age of five, that that makes us domestic terrorists. They wanted the National Guard to come at us. They're little baby Khmer Rouge, and if they ever get full power, man, are they going to have us up against the wall, starting with the Christians, and then they're going to go to the Jewish people, unless the Jewish people continue to, unless, this, unless far too many Jewish people continue to take the knee, because they know there's a lot of Jewish listeners who don't. They're absolutely against what is happening and the perversion of society. And then eventually they'll go for the Muslims, or the Muslims will go for them. I'm not trying to be Johnny Prophet, but it's just sitting here right in front of us. This is the roadmap. But look, in every single instance, every single instance, it's some human being who's in charge. What is a woman? Whatever the party says it is. Do we have immune systems? It depends on what Tony Fauci says today. Was that election safe and secure? Well, it depends on whether a Republican won or lost. Are we at war with Russia? We've never been at war with Russia. 
Are we at war with Russia? Well, yeah, now we're at war with Russia. Have we always been at war with Russia? Yeah, we've always been at war with Russia. And, and, and everything is human desire. Everything is, it's whatever the bosses say it is, unless the boss is God. In that case, people like Anderson Cooper will remove the canons of the Catholic Church in a discussion about the rules of the Catholic Church and then have a discussion about, well, should he have done it in public? That's debatable. He has every right to do that and probably should. So she's walking around to the church taking communion. He can say, no, I asked her not to. Well within his right. So I misspoke. I misspoke about our friends at Allen's Artisan Soaps. It was 400, 400 bars of soap that gifted our audience um, at the event that we just did. 400 free pieces of soap, I might add. Longtime listener to the program set me straight on this, that, that they did this. Yeah, it's to sample the soap. So my question, if you were at the event and you got Alan's Artisan Soaps, will you let me know how you love it, which ones you like the most? And if you did love it, take the time um, and the opportunity to subscribe to the Herminator sub. It's a subscription package for soap. You get a lifetime discount of 10% forever off the soaps. And the folks who run Alan's Artisan Soaps, Alan is the namesake. He's the young man who's 11, works every single day as the chief soap officer. His dad, John, is functionally running the company. Um, John did this, obviously, to sample the soaps, but also to make the event a great success. And this is what my friend Mike Knight of Botha wrote, or Knight Mike. Good morning, Todd. It was a pleasure meeting you in Bothell. I got it. Man, I'm getting old. I have to actually increase the font on this. This is so sad. My goodness. It was a pleasure meeting you in Bath on Friday. I hope you have had the chance to reach out um, to a mutual friend of ours. And yeah, this is someone we know in common. Just an FYI, because you mentioned it today's podcast, 100 bars. Um, Todd, there were actually 400 bars. I know because I helped count them out. <laughs> there are actually 400 bars. Bless you, brother. Mike Knight, a.k.a. Mike Knight from Bothell. One of the old producers at my old radio station gave him the nickname. Uh, Mike, incidentally, was not just counting soap. He was also on the security team, keeping me safe, keeping everybody safe, all of us safe. I hope that you'll try the soap because it's life. It is. The young man who is the chief soap officer, these same people would have him dead. And frankly, we're getting to an era now where the World Economic Forum would say about young Allen, useless eater. Maybe we should have him die. I'm not trying. I'm just telling you that's what this is. The other side of this is Alan Soaps at alansoaps.com saying Alan is not useless. He is a beautiful human being filled with love. He's valuable employee. He's creative. He has the one who've created so many of the unique scents of soap. All of them made in America. All natural ingredients. Three, three generations of soap making knowledge behind them. Herminator sub, six bars of soap, a soap rack, soap pouch, and a fluff, all that at a 10% savings. Go to allenssoaps.com slash Todd. That's allenssoaps.com slash Todd. So we have to take the church into politics. And we have to go voice our concerns. We can talk about science and the Lord. We can talk about policy and the Lord. We can talk about gun rights and the Lord. And this means that we need to be in the word of God. And that we need to read deeply about the word of God and understand what we're up against. And understand the mechanics of what we're up against. See, if you, if you listen to political correctness and you think of it as, as, as what it actually is and how it actually began, um, this is an author and I just totally whacked out my computer. So, so I'm going to confess to you as in live radio, I, I don't have his name. Uh, it's, it'll be in the show sheet. You'll be able to get it, but I'm not going to start being the podcaster that goes back and edits things later and inserts it. It's lazy. I'm just going to admit I screwed up my computer and I'm rebooting it. I talk, for example, about where political correctness comes from. Do you know? No. But it comes from the Soviet Union. It was invented in the Soviet Union. It had nothing ever to do with any sort of politeness or respect for other people. Political correctness was a way of saying to people, comrade, this is factually correct. 
but it's politically incorrect. And what it meant was it was inconvenient to the party line. And many of the things that are now happening have an explanation. And I, I dig into some of that in the book as well. The, the book link is in the show sheet. He's talking about political correctness and a cousin to this, which is called repressive tolerance. Um, there was a leftist, that, one of the many leftists that we, that we rescued from Nazi Germany, prior to Nazi Germany gaining power, we rescued a guy named Herbert Marcusa. He's one of the, um, the Frankfurt School guys. We rescued him. We brought him here. <laughs> he got to live on, on the California coast. He got to enjoy the, the sunshine and he got to be a tenured professor instead of being put in the camps. Think of this. He was a Jewish guy. Instead of being tossed into the death camps, I, uh, work will make you free of life. He got to come here. And one of the things he began to do, like many of them, was complain. And this sounds like Bernie Sanders, and it should. There's so many flavors of ice cream. This is so decadent. There's, there's, too, many, there's too many deodorants. It's too decadent. He wrote a framework um, called repressive tolerance. Repressive tolerance. It's oxymoronic on purpose. Guys, everything that has stopped us from speaking the word of God into the public sphere, into public debate, we have done this as a result of a plan that has been run on us. Repressive tolerance is a system that was taught in academia in the 60s that you have tolerance for everything but that which keeps the West in place. Everything that keeps American society afloat and healthy, you do not tolerate. Everything that will tear down the American system, drugs, debt, destroying the family structure by saying, well, we have an open marriage and sponsoring any and all sexual activity, but degrading married activity sexual activity. That's why Hollywood constantly makes movies about how people just don't have sex when they're married. When in fact, the data is quite the opposite. That might not be true for your marriage. I have many close friends for whom that's, that's not the case. And it happens in all too many marriages. And you can still love someone super deeply, be absolutely connected to them. And marriages go through seasons, but Hollywood will have you believe that married people simply never have sex. And that's a way for them showing, well, then, then obviously then you should, you have to sleep around because sex is the most important thing in the human, in the human experience. So clearly you need to have a, a, an affair because it's the most important thing in the human experience. So repressive tolerance, this book by Marcosa, this paper and, and resulting book was set the framework for how to disrupt and destroy Western society. You can join it to the cloud pivot strategy, which is flood all the systems, if the system runs on money, then then flood it with money. If it runs on um, business, you know, it runs on votes, flood it with voters. If it runs on a prison system, flood the prison systems. And that's mechanical, tearing down the infrastructure. His was to tear down the minds and the body and the soul. And of course, the fabric that holds this country together and holds any country together are the families. And here again, we have this word of God. We are buying and selling babies. We talk a lot about abortion, but we don't talk a lot about buying and selling babies, which is now not just happening sometimes because some people can't have kids and they don't want to adopt. They want to have, quote, their own kids. But now it's commercial. Now it's in bulk. It's like Washington State is the Costco of buying children. Except Costco requires more of you. To get a Costco card, you got to like fill out a form. In, in, in the separate country of Washington state, you fly a mother in from Bangkok or India or China or wherever, Russia, Bulgaria, wherever they need the money. You fly them in to the separate country of Washington, get them impregnated artificially or otherwise, park them in a hospital. And by the way, it doesn't just have to be one mother. It doesn't just have to be one kid. You could bring in four mothers and artificially inseminate each of them with four kids. You can then get your 16 kids without a background check, no, literally no background check, 
and you can show back up, pick up your 16 kids, pay some money, bye-bye, and then you're off in the ether. You're, you're, as the cops would say, you're in the wind and you've purchased children. We, we can go back and talk about this from this perspective of the word of God. What is family? One man, one woman, sexual union results in children. The closest we get to really being able to ever understand what it would mean to be God to participate in the, to participate in him creating life, to have it channeled through us, to be given the ultimate stewardship. Like nothing can make your heart hurt more than your kid, right? That's ultimate stewardship. They're tearing that apart as well. And we can try to fight this just with the science and well, I don't like surrogacy. Or we can go right back to the word of God, in which case I think God will back us up. But if we want them to make the argument, the void of God, why on earth would God back us up? He's saying, oh, you got it figured out. You don't need my word. Well, then you don't need my help. You don't need my Bible. Then, then hey, look, take it on on your own. Now, you are fighting principalities and spirits, and it's a spiritual war, and you think you can handle that on your own. Well, sweet, then you go be my guest. But when you're ready to say, I actually need you, and you're actually ready to repent and come back and say, yes, yes, in fact, this wave is so strong, I do need you, can seem like bad news, but it's not because God is saying, hey, I'm right here. I am right here, but you bring me into the game. I want to play. Well, of course, he's running the game. You can always give feedback at uh, the ToddHermanShow.com. That's where you can go to email us. Man, there's a lot. I don't know if I can get into all this. You know what? I'll do a thing where we just go rapid fire through it. But love to hear from you guys at the ToddHermanShow.com. It's also a great place to share the show. So what else is at risk? This guy in Britain nails it. You want to know what else is at risk? You know the bodies God loans us? They're at risk. This is so brilliant. He gets this so well. I'm ashamed they didn't think of this myself. Talking about we and Britain and like 100 and what he says it, 128 of the countries getting ready to have the unbelievably corrupt co-owned by the Chinese Communist Party and Bill Gates World Health Organization seize control over our bodies. Well, that self-styled freedom fighter, Boris Johnson, who once said that he would claw back sovereignty for the people to stop unelected bureaucrats from Brussels telling us what to do. He's literally handed on a silver platter freedoms and parliamentary sovereignty to unelected technocrats based in Geneva. The WHO, they will be superseding 194 countries in terms of response to future pandemics, effectively putting public health policy, individual medical autonomy, and also democracy on the line. <laughs> yeah. And the bodies God gave us. See, it goes back to this. In the world of the party, humans have the people with the power are the people in charge. It doesn't matter if they're right, because the World Health Organization is not. It doesn't matter if they're honest. The World Health Organization are a group of liars. It doesn't matter if they have perverse incentive. The World Health Organization, like the CDC, like the FDA, are bought off by Big Pharma. That doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if their concoctions injure and kill people. It doesn't matter if they don't work. It doesn't matter if they cause immunoderangement and immunodeficiency in people. None of that matters. It matters that they have the guns and the money and the power. But when it's God who has it all, who had created it all, no, he doesn't matter. Oh, come on. He's like, a, it's the tooth fairy in the sky with a long beard. I mean, hey, I'll have that debate with anybody. A friendly debate. I love debating creation theory with, with atheists. I loves it. Anytime, I enjoy it. But when we're talking about the party making themselves gods, are you kidding me? So what else is at risk? That guy said it well. Well, how about this? How about just the speech that comes out of our mouths? Yeah, if we don't bring God's word into the political sphere, they're going to say, see, it works. We shut the Christians up. Look at this. They won't even mention their God. You know how Satan must feel about this? That the word of God is not mentioned on the House floor or the Senate floor unless they do their little ecumenical prayer. 
that, that no one ever rises to say, I rise today in defense of the word of God. They never do this. And it's being banned in the separate country of Washington state. It's been banned from the house floor. Well, so the very speech that leaves our mouths is being, is being, is being threatened. This is Carl Cameron. I met him back in the days when I was in the, the dark world of politics, the RNC. And we used to call him campaign Carl Cameron. Because anytime there was a campaign event, Carl wanted to be there with his jeans on and then pretending to wear a suit, but always had his jeans on. Super friendly guy. Then he separated from Fox and all of a sudden, Carl Cameron, who made a living on free speech. There is a point at which it becomes difficult for an executive to put up with the help. Uh, in this particular case, Tucker has been screaming fire in a crowded movie house for years. And that cliche uh, really comes to the matter of what is free speech. And the fact of the matter is, if you disturb the peace by starting a riot in a movie theater, cops are going to arrest you and you might end up in jail or you might end up in something worse. Uh, and that kind of stuff absolutely has to stop, uh, whether it's the antitrust bill to take down and deplatform people who lie and put out falsehoods that cause damage and violent, violent hate. Uh, there ought to be something done about it. And the, the administration is beginning to actually make a move on that. And it's been way overdue. It's not just Fox, it's social media in general, it's on the internet. And we have to remember that a good portion of what people read is coming from folks who aren't Americans pretending to be Americans in order to gaslight them even worse. So this is Carl Cameron accusing everyone else of gaslighting while he is engaging in free speech that we, with which we, we mis may disagree, and I do disagree, going at a former colleague of his, Tucker Carlson, who's frankly far more successful than anybody in conservative media these days, really is. And he doesn't name a single thing that he's done. He just has platitudes. That's at risk. And again, I rise to the House floor to point out that God Almighty himself is free speech. In fact, in the beginning, the word was with God and the word was God. It says it right there in the Bible. And I can see the Lord standing by saying, hey, I'm, I'm, I'm right here when my word's important to you. But maybe your words are stronger. Maybe you guys can take on the forces of darkness and evil on your own. Maybe you guys are the ones that finally do it. But he knows the answer. See, again, if we don't do this, it'll be people like Tavis Smiley. I had a conversation with one once. Um, he was anxious to get into my company, Spin Spotter, because I was creating a board of directors of rabid liberals and rabid conservatives and some moderates to help us define what we asked him is, how do you spin a story? Like, if you want to spin a story, how do you do it? And I'm very, very proud of the work we did at that company. It, sh it should have done better. Uh, and we did fine, but we should have done a lot better, but we just preceded social media too much. But he was, he took the phone call and man, he was quick to, oh yeah, I want in. Yeah. And I think he just wanted all sorts of chances to get equity. I'm guessing. But then again, he took the phone call and he was very friendly, but man, is he messed up in his understanding of Christianity. This is a hard one to listen to because he mentioned something in here that is so utterly dishonest that I, I, I don't even think that he could truly think this is the case because it's such an obscenity, he mutters here. He's talking to, you know, um, you know who uh, Hirsi Ali is? Um, Ayan Hirsi Ali. She's a woman who grew up in radical Islam and turned her back on it because she came to the Lord. So they're having a conversation. Once again, this is from Newsbusters from years back, just reminding you how long this march has been going on against Christianity. Somehow... The idea got into their minds that to kill other people is a great thing to do and that they would be rewarded in the hereafter. But, but, but Christians do that every single day in this country. Do they blow people up? Yes, oh, Christians every day. People walk into post office. I mean, people walk into post offices. They walk into schools. That's what Columbine is. I mean, I could do. Columbine. Columbine. No. <laughs> Columbine was two young men hopped up on the party's psychotropics, enjoying same-sex attraction and sex, convinced 
that power resided in the hands of the people with the guns. That they had nothing to live for. And the best they could hope for was notoriety. And when they came upon a young woman who was in fact a Christian, who was in fact a believing Christian, they put guns to her head. And they told her, said that you are not a Christian. And from what I understand, she wouldn't turn her back on God. Washington Post had the story. And lately now, the left has attacked it. Boxes attacked it, didn't happen. But to call those guys Christian, to have a smiley, that's sick. That is a sickness. And just like everybody who goes into the post office is a Christian. Look, there's a lot of people who fancy themselves Christian and actually don't know what that means. And there's a lot of people who want to be Christian, but actually don't know how. Such a blessing we had at this event in Bothell to hear from so many people who begun to take their kids to church because God has used this silly little podcast to reach them. Thank you, Lord. Other people who've rediscovered the faith. I want to get to some emails, specifically a guy who says he doesn't know how to love God and someone who hated I don't, I don't want to use, I don't want to use my language. I use his. He was so, so very disappointed um, in our night in Bothell. So I'll see if I can help with that. I'll send him an email too, but he had a terrible time and he took friends and he's really frustrated it seems. And, and that frustrates me. So we'll handle that before we get to the emails, because this plays into it. A lot of people are sending me this clip of Elon Musk celebrating that Elon Musk knows the Lord Jesus. You know, there's some, some, there's great wisdom in what, in, in the te- teachings of, of, Jesus, uh, and I agree with those teachings. Um, and things like turn the other cheek are, are very important because as opposed to an eye for an eye, um, an eye for an eye leads everyone blind. So forgiveness, you know, is important and um, treating people as you would wish to be treated. Love thy neighbor as thyself, very important. So it's like a 60, 70%. As, yes. <laughs> as Einstein would say, I believe in the God of Spinoza. Um, so, um, but hey, if, um, you know, if, if, if Jesus is, is uh, saving people, I mean, I, I, I wouldn't stand in his way. You know, like, I'll be sure. I'll be saved. Why not? Sweet. We did it. Yeah. I think he just said yes. We got yeah. No, he didn't. He didn't say yes. It's a great sign that he's, to use the vernacular of the modern, leaning in. But no, that's not a confession of Christian faith. Um, if God, if, if Jesus is saving people, I'm not going to stand in his way. Uh, good luck, Elon. Standing in his way. It's, it's, it's a nice sign that he's open-hearted to that. Um, but he picked the verses, everybody who doesn't want to offend picks. He didn't pick any of the hard verses, any of the hard teachings of the Lord. And we all have them. There's all hard teachings of the Lord for all of us, depending on who we are. To the emails, this is a note from John, who has a great nickname on Substack, Harry Toe. Hey, Todd, I attended the amazing show Friday at Cedar Park Church, and your arm is freakishly scary, LOL. You look great. I attended because I think you're cool and smart or whatever, freak arm. I, was, I showed people the difference between my, um, my arm that's in recovery and my normal arm. It is freakish. Um, and I wanted to see the person I listen to every day. I said, see, but not meet because I left after the break before Q and a, I don't know why I did. I just did. Maybe I was scared. I wanted to ask questions, but not so much about politics or you, but about God. I'm trying to accept Jesus as my Lord and savior, but I'm so new and I need help in the pursuit. I don't know how to explain it, but I've seen and experienced too many unexplainable actions. It can only be because of God in action. 
Julie B is the strongest, most amazing person. My heart goes out to her. She trusts you and I trust you. I'm trying to build the courage to attend church and Cedar Park Church seems like a good start. If Julie approves and attends the church, it must be good. These are the questions I was too embarrassed to ask in person. Number one, I know it sounds silly, but how do you know how to start loving God? I love God. I just started asking me into my heart, but I don't know how to accept him into my heart. Number two, did I just go to church on Sunday or, or wherever I went? Do people get upset if I sit in their seats? I don't, I don't know the proper etiquette. I know these questions are silly and, and noobish, but I don't know yet. Maybe I need to make another leap as I did going to your event. I want to keep it short and say I love you and God, and I'm happy to know this world is filled with loving people and God is good. Thanks for being awesome. Your 27th number one fan, John A. from Substack, um, nickname Harry Toe. John, what a beautiful, beautiful note. I'm so humbled you would share this with me. Um, God is a, an entity and manifests as a people. Three people, the Holy Spirit, God, the Father, and Christ Jesus. And I know there's people who disagree on the Trinity, and I'm happy to have this discussion. To me, it's very solid. Um, he, you are just getting to know him. It's very difficult to truly love somebody you don't know. Like, you can be really, really interested in a person, but until you know them, you don't love them. You just love the image of them or what you know of them. For instance, you, you could know um, in, a, in, a, in a dating sense, you could meet someone in the workplace and have conversations with them around the water cooler for three years. Maybe that adds up to 300 hours of conversation, but you've never argued with them. You've never had to disagree. You've never seen them busy in the morning. You've never had to discuss money or hard issues with them. So you don't yet know them. You're just attracted to them. Well, God is the very same. And you're just now getting to know God. So, so the fact that you love him already is wonderful because he loves you and he knows you through and through completely, all of you, not, not, not an inch of you he doesn't know. He's known you since before you were born. So he has the advantage in that and that he's the God of the universe. But he is asking you to get to know him through working with him. God is asking you to do his work with him. He doesn't need you, he wants you. So now when you work side by side with somebody, say building a marriage across 30 years, you can grow to have love for them in ways that other people can't. I know how very difficult some things are for my wife. So when she does them, I am deeply appreciative. I say, no, she hates doing them. And so I'm deeply appreciative for that. I know some of the ways in which the world has hurt her. And so I want to be the one who never hurts her in that way. Right? And this is the process of getting to know a person. It's much like that with God. So David, dig into the work. God is asking you. He called you to that church. I didn't do that. God did that. That you feel drawn to that church? Yes, begin to go to that church. And to answer your question about do you just walk in? Yes. No one's going to be upset that you take their seat. No one has reserved seats. But then get plugged in. Simply walk up to the pastors and say, I am new. And at a church as successful as Cedar Park, I can tell by the size of their, of, of their campus and by the way they interacted with us, they are buttoned up. Man, David, they're going to find ways to plug you in and get into God's work and you'll get to know God. And then you will join the body of Christ and you'll be with Jesus needers all day long. Throughout the day, it will bolster your faith. And all of a sudden now you are surrounded by people who love God. So, man, I'm excited for your journey, John. I'm excited that you wrote to me. Thank you for that. Note from David, attended the get-together in Bothell on Friday after the pledge and anthem. I was pumped. Actually found the politicians enlightening, felt empathy for the conservative lady. Then you took the stage. I'm afraid you missed the mark badly. I still have no clue if God is going to bail us out or what we actually need to do. I could have used less of your misspent youth and more about the challenges we face now. By the way, I was there with four friends. They were even more disappointed than I was. Dang it. David, it hurts my heart to hear that. It's very frustrating. Um, it didn't land well for you. Makes me feel sad. So let me go through this real quickly. My misspent youth is your misspent youth. I made mention of the fact that with a thousand people in the room, there's a thousand stories or 800 people, 800 people in a 800 sub stories, subplots. I mentioned that I didn't introduce myself to God. The dear lady, Karen did the tiny little lady I spoke about introduced me to God up until the point that it was so wet in me that un, uh, I didn't even intend to say, God be with you to that young girl who was the prostitute. I didn't know that she'd built an armor of defense for me when I was a CEO of a big time internet radio company and I had the opportunity to trade stock for sex with a beautiful prostitute who was cutting hair. Karen did that. 
The Lord did that through Karen, through my amazing friendship with Matthew, her son. God did that for me. And I kept pointing to the audience and saying, there's 800 main stories and millions of meta stories. God didn't need me. He wanted me. So all these silly things I did as a youth and then all the defense mechanisms he built for me. And ultimately, 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 when I had to admit, I don't have enough patience to be the father my daughter needs. At that rough point in her life, the Lord stepped in. He said, I'll take it. I'll handle it. He did. He changed it. Despite my misspent youth, despite my mistakes, he, he did that. I asked you guys a question. What is Poughkeepsie, New York to you? And I said, probably nothing. It's a nice town. Maybe you've been there. What about the little kids in Poughkeepsie being sex trafficked? What about the people in Poughkeepsie who in Joe Biden's environment can't even get formula for their babies? You care about the people there because you care about human beings. And we talked about God as God is the universe who sees us all equally, loves us all equally. We mentioned the fact that the Lord Jesus didn't want to be crucified. He said, is there any other way, any other cup? And yet not my will be done, but yours. I talked about us being uncomfortable, sharing the faith. And then I asked you, what does God think of America? The country. He's the God of the universe. He's God of all people. He wants to save everybody. And so then the question I asked David was, or the statement I made was, it's, it's the wrong question. God's asking us, are we going to save our neighbors? Behold, look around you. These are the children of God. Are you going to save souls? Because after all, what is America? It's people. We are the ones being called to rescue, to save. God's working through us. Is God going to save America? Well, if you regard America as people and we become a godly people through calling people to him, that may well rescue America. That's our best shot. It will rescue people from eternal damnation. It will. And that's the end game. So I'm frustrated that that didn't land well with you, David. Thank you for coming to the show. And I'll write you an email I'll, privately later. Um, from Jizzle. Todd, what an amazing event you put on at Cedar Park on Friday night. Julie had my entire section in tears, but was a true testament to God by just being there and getting on stage. I didn't get a chance to stick around to meet you. I did get to talk to Tim and tell him how awesome his coffee is. I think you might be into something with these town halls for our Lord and Savior. Thank you for being bold, brother. Well, thank you, Jizzle. I appreciate you being there and taking the time to do all that. Frustrating to me when it doesn't work for everybody. Great for me that most people seem to really enjoy the event. And yep, the video will be going up on the subscription service. We may get some audio if I get it soon enough to put it into some of the podcasts this week. So you guys can judge for yourself whether I miss the mark. Sometimes I do. This is the Todd Herman Show. We so appreciate your support. We so appreciate you telling us when we missed the mark. Keep us honest. Now, please go be well, be strong, be kind. And as always, listen to God's voice, even that still tiny little voice. He may well have work for you.